0: From The Advocate Magazine, this is lgbtq and A. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and today I'm talking to Mara Wilson. Mara is perhaps best known as the actress who plays Matilda in Matilda. We talk about that, about why she left acting, about realizing that she's bisexual, and also about our culture's obsession with celebrity. We often allow ourselves to delight in the very public mistakes of child stars. And Mara has a really interesting perspective as someone who was a very big child star, and also someone who has dealt with mental health issues. So we talk about what growing up in the industry does to you, and how it really forms who you are for better and worse. Now, if you enjoy the interview, please subscribe to the podcast. We have new interviews every week. When you subscribe, rank us five stars and leave a comment. That is one of the biggest ways you can help our show grow. So big thank you to everyone who has done that. I also want to say that this fall with the midterms coming up, it is absolutely critical that we vote. And that is what GLAD's Amp Your Voice campaign is all about. They are making it easier than ever to access the tools and resources that you need to make sure that your voice is heard about the issues that matter to queer and trans people. To learn more and take the pledge to vote, there's a link in the show notes, or you can go to glad.org slash amp your voice. That's amp amp. So glad.org slash amp your voice. All right. Without further ado, here's Mara. If it's okay with you, I'd like to start with Matilda just Mm -hmm. to kind of get it out of the way.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, Matilda Matilda means a lot to me and means a lot to a lot of people, Good. so yeah.
0: I think it's nice to hear. For everyone who doesn't know, you were Matilda in Matilda. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's nice to hear it means a lot to you because I kind of wondered like, oh, is she sick of talking about it yet?
1: For a long time, I was. Yeah. For a long time, I did not want to talk about it. I felt kind of like I was living in her shadow, uh, but I, I think that I have come to appreciate her and come to appreciate what this character means to so many people and the chance that I had to play her. I can can appreciate it now.
0: It's interesting to be living in a shadow of a child. Yeah, of a child,
1: of a fictional child. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I wrote in my book, the most complicated relationship I will ever have is with a six-year-old fictional girl. (laughs) It's true. It's also
0: quite an accomplishment to – have been a part of something that is so ingrained in pop culture that people still want to talk about it.
1: It's true and it's something that people it's it's not I mean some people just they see it and they remember like the fun powers and such but I think that for a lot of people it really resonated with them on on a a, a deep level. I think there is something very sweet about the movie and it's even in its ridiculousness there's there's something very very sweet about finding your people and finding your family. And I've noticed that's actually a big... Like, I had a, a guy tell me once, he said, uh, your your movie was How My Mom Knew I Was Gay. And uh, I've had so many, so many LGBTQ like women tell me how much they loved it because it was about feeling different but finding your place and finding your own family. and uh, And that is something that it's it's not you know overt it's about uh, strength and friendship and and knowledge and uh overcoming these pains that you had with your family and the world around you and it's it's you know becoming happy of, because you know, being able to overcome this and being able to be happy uh through your own means and through friendship and hard work and,
0: uh, and feeling like you don't belong in your family for exactly. this reason.
1: Feeling like you don't belong in your family. Feeling like you don't belong at at school. Feeling like people don't understand you. And then, uh, and then at the end, being able to choose your own family and friends. Also, uh, they all have a crush on Miss Honey. That's and act, it's that's true. true. It's true. They all. I mean, like Embeth, Miss Miss Honey. People are always asking me. They're like, "Oh, did you have a crush on her too?" And I'm like, "No, she was like a sister to me." I couldn't. I couldn't have a crush on But her. did we
0: have crushes at six years old too?
1: People will say she was my first crush. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah.
0: See, I feel like queer people were – okay, I'll just say me. I don't want to – I love a gross generalization. <laughs> um, for me, I feel deprived of young crushes mm, because mm-hmm. I couldn't express any kind of attraction at all.
1: There's a lot of – I look back on that now and I'm like, oh, that's what that was. That is what I was feeling at the time. And I did not realize that at the time. There was always some girl on like some children's television show that I I was like, I just want to know more about her. And I hope she tap dances again. And I hope that this, you know, I I felt very much like like, I bet she's really nice. And I bet she smells good. And but yeah, I, I completely understand what you mean. I also look back at some of the guys that I had crushes on at that age, and a lot of them were very feminine. I, I think uh A big part of, at least for for me and for a lot of my friends, like coming to terms with their queer identity was looking back and going, oh, that's what that was. Oh, that is why. Okay. That explains that.
0: You came out pretty late in life, at least publicly. I did.
1: Relatively speaking, I did. Was it
0: your late 20s?
1: Yeah, my late 20s. I think I had, I feel like I always say uh, that uh, if you look up imposter syndrome in the dictionary, there's a picture of me. But please don't look at that picture because it makes me look like such a phony. Um, Yeah, that's (laughs) dorky. I know. I'm a dork. Uh, But no, I've I've had imposter syndrome my whole life. I've always been like, people are fans of mine. People are – you know, imposter syndrome is basically when you feel like everything you have is completely undeserved. And you minimize your accomplishments and you don't – you're just like anybody could have done this and and you don't feel comfortable accepting that and accepting who you are and and I feel like I almost was like that with my orientation as well because I grew up around I mean I I grew up around uh I was on sets all the time with you know with gay producers and gay you know wardrobe uh assistants and and you know gay gay designers and all these people and so I was very entrenched and I just thought I made so many excuses to myself for so long. And then I went to art school, and everybody there was was bisexual. And everybody there was exploring their identity and uh I think there was a lot of sort of experimenting with with you know who am I and and such. I
0: Were like, you removed from that?
1: I think that I always felt like I kind of had to keep my own I like I I was talking with some some friends the other day and we were talking about how a lot of girls a lot of queer women we know, uh, we knew a lot of girls who would do the like, let's let's kiss each other for practice kind of thing. And we never did that because we were too afraid. And I think that that, that kind of says something. All my friends were talking about like, aren't girls hot? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I don't know why, because it was such a, it was like a, a welcoming environment, but for some reason we couldn't accept it ourselves yet. Of course. I think.
0: And I, I find too that... There's no like timeline for any of that. No. And I think that like with media and coming out stories, we're given one version and we think yeah. everyone knows it in high school.
1: Yeah. We think everybody knows it in high school. And we also think that, that people, you know, there's, and, and struggling with it looks different. There was a lot of, there were a lot of reasons that I could justify it for myself. And I think that some of it was this internalized stuff of, of, uh, oh, I am, I'm am a public figure. And I didn't, I never, I, I didn't feel growing up that being gay was like or being bisexual was like the worst thing ever but i did get stigmatized i i did feel the stigma in a different way i did feel like a lot of the time i would hear bisexual girls are crazy and they just want attention and people already told me i was crazy <laughs> and i just wanted attention <laughs> or people would would make fun of lesbians like they were like they were sad somehow and like you people would talk about being gay like it was a not like it was a a, you know, a terrible evil thing, but more like it was a failing. Like somebody who who, you know, or, or, or a flaw, somebody who was struggling with something.
0: That's surprising coming from somebody who grew up in Burbank, California. I know, right. <laughs> in the in the movie industry.
1: It's it was still sort of it was I don't know, maybe there was this kind of like not in my backyard kind of thing. Although when I eventually did tell my parents they were like, you know, we've worked in Hollywood so long, you know, we, we don't care. This is not a thing to us. I also think, and this is something I told friends of mine, I felt like I had so much other, so many other things going on too. I was so neurotic. I was anxious. I was, you know, I was, I, I was, I had the loss of my mother that I was like, oh, I can't be queer too. Almost like it would be like like it would be a, it would be too much for one person, and so I, I went on like like gaslighting myself, like what? No, you don't really you don't really feel that way. You don't really like this, and and making excuses for a very long time. So was
0: it into your late twenties until you finally were able to name it and like be comfortable with it?
1: Well, I remember I I was talking with my therapist, and I remember I had a dream when I was about twenty two or twenty three. I had a dream that uh about a guy that I had a crush on. And in that dream, suddenly, like somebody I'd had a crush on as a teenager came to me, and it was a girl. And I kind of like looked from one to the other and realized I feel the exact same way about these people. And I woke up the next morning and was like, does this mean I'm bi? Does this mean I'm queer? Well, all girls have exceptions and and I remember actually going with a friend of mine oddly enough to Home Depot that day and we talked about it and she she was like in training to be a psychologist and she was like, "Well, do you think that this changes anything?" and I was like, "No. No, I don't think it does. I don't think I need to to change this." And then uh, a couple years later, you know, I was I was talking with my therapist about it uh when I was maybe 27, 28 and uh, I told her and she knew she knew about the crushes that I'd had and then uh, she was saying to me, "I I was like I was like I got really annoyed last night over something." She's like, "Why?" And I was like, "Well, this guy at a bar was being really annoying and hitting on hitting on a girlfriend of mine." And he, she was like, "Well, why do you think you felt that way?" And and led me through this kind of thing. And I was like, "I guess because I guess because I like her." And uh, and she was like, "And do you think that this means anything?" And I just started sobbing and sobbing. And I said. I I guess I'm bisexual. I guess I'm not straight. I don't know. Maybe I like girls more than I like men. I don't know. And I I was just crying and crying and crying, and then and then like after a few minutes I stopped and was just like, yeah, I guess this is true. And she kind of looked at me like this was something she'd been trying to get out of me for a long long time. And I went home and I texted you know my my family members and was like like I'm I'm really close with my siblings and i i like texted and called them and said would it surprise you if i told you i was i was not straight and they were like uh no <laughs> they were like they were like no you you know and like one of them works in a field where there are a lot of queer women and he's like and he's he's like no you you talk and act the same way they do you know you it doesn't surprise me at all and uh and i had a lot of friends try to out me before i was ready and that just pushed me back into myself
0: out you to like other friends or like to the public and like the press
1: well or they would just they would just put pressure on me just be like just be like You know, do you want to make out? Are you into this? You Do you, you know, are you sure you're straight? Are you sure you're straight? Now that I'm on the other side, I get it. It can be frustrating to see somebody who seems to to be struggling with that. But I think that you can't, you can't force it.
0: There are other ways to deal with that Exactly. I told a friend once (laughs) and I knew that he could trust me. And I said, you know, if you were gay, like it wouldn't be a problem, right? Yeah. And I even had a problem like saying that, but I was like, I think he can handle that.
1: Yeah. Well, I remember I asked some of my friends and uh and and you know, and they said, "Oh yeah, our our thought was she'll figure it out." <laughs> and another one said, "I hate to say it, but thank God." And another one, I told my best friend from college and she was like, "Yeah, I've seen you make out with like three different women." <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that. I have, I think there's a I I actually the friend I told that to, I had an issue with because everybody around him was talking about how he was gay, he's gay, he's gay, and he doesn't know it. Yeah. And I thought that, that he would be mortified if he yeah. found that out. So I was trying to like help him along in a really gentle way because I didn't like the talking about it.
1: No, exactly. I think that you can be, you can be supportive in that way. I actually, I remember when I, when I came out to, to my brothers and sister, eventually I said like, why didn't any of you tell me? You know, and they were like, "Well, what were we supposed to say?" <laughs> and I was like, "Well, you could have said, you could have said, like, you know, well, you know, if you are, I'm, I'm here for you." And, and, but the thing is, they probably did say that. They probably did, oh. but I just couldn't hear it at the time.
0: Yeah, and it's also it's like so hard to say that because we don't want anybody listening to, you know, think like Mara wanted it, this to happen so everybody else will want that too. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's it's really I mean I I case by case. But just yeah, they <laughs> they basically I was uh I remember I I was at a Mexican restaurant with my with my brother and uh he was eating and I said to him he was like "So are you dating any guys?" and I was like, "No. In fact, I don't know if I'm going to date any guys for a while. I think I might mostly be dating women. And he did not even look up from his enchilada. He was just like, okay, so you're going to be dating women now? And I was like, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling more these days. I, I might – it does seem to go back and forth, but that's, you know, what I'm feeling. And he was just like, okay, well, you know, are there any women in your life? Like he didn't – he had no reaction.
0: That's the future, hopefully.
1: Yeah, I really hope so. I mean, he's he's worked – that brother has worked in like – you know, social science and and taking care and caretaking and, and such for, for a very long time. So I think that also he's trained to not be surprised.
0: Yeah. So tell me this. You had been in queer spaces before you came out. Oh, yeah. What was it like to be entering queer spaces as a member of the community?
1: Um, It felt good. It felt, I mean, some th- in some ways things just did not change. <laughs> I did feel like there was some gatekeeping sometimes. Like I remember being with some bisexual friends and and saying, you know, I think I might be bisexual. And a friend of mine who is not a friend anymore said, no, you're not. She was, you know, kind of a gatekeeper. And once I got away from that, you know, I think that I I was able to to really – to be happier and to find myself in a place uh, – it, it just felt like I was able to relax a little bit more. It just felt like I was able to to be a little bit more open about these things. And I – was not holding my breath so much. It was it was just like this sort of carbadium sees moment, blah 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 kind of thing where I felt like I could I could finally breathe fully. That's nice. It was, it was really nice. And I was really lucky. I mean, like I said, I did have some friends who I, I feel like I've fallen in with bad crowds in my life a couple times, but they were never like they were never like cool bad crowds. They were like they were like um they were like Joanne from Company, bad crowds, like what like a reference. <laughs> like like let's get drunk and judge everybody, you know, and and kind of like a lot of like a lot of like like Daria types when I was when I was a teenager. So
0: that surprises me because I would think that as a child star, you would need to be really discerning with who you like let in your life.
1: Yeah, well, I was. I mean, I never, like I said, I was never, I was never, but I also being a child star gives you a people pleasing streak it really does. So you are afraid to tell people no sometimes. You have to because you in your mind you are always thinking i have to be nice, i have to be good, i have to be nice, i have to be good. And that works really well for people. Like i knew people growing up like uh, like Hillary Duff and she just had that temperament where she was just a very sweet, nice, lovely girl. M- meanwhile, i was more i was i was more temperamental, i was more moody, i was more i was more of a nerd, i was kind of a try hard, you know. I i had uh I definitely had that like Anne Hathaway like you know I'm gonna perform please like me kind of thing going on and and uh, that that made it hard for me. I, I struggled a lot with what I could and could not show to people. Yeah. So um so yeah. So when I did fall into these these crowds, it wasn't it wasn't you know the, the traditional child star you know drugs and money kind of stuff. It was very much like. Like let's just judge everybody and be rude and do these things and and people who are mean. I think that I think that I had so much doubt in my life and so much you know it's questioning myself that I ended up falling in with people who were mean because I thought they were telling me the truth. Oh, you know what I mean.
0: Maybe it's also like if something to be ba- said bad about me, I want to hear it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I wanted to be prepared. Yeah, I wanted to be prepared and I knew people were saying bad things about me because I mean you're a child star. You're you're a you know, you are an easy target.
0: Yeah. I found your book so compelling because you, Thank you. have you're welcome. <laughs> your perspective as a child star, that's not one that we hear often because yeah. people either grow up and they're celebrities and don't wanna talk about it or they yeah. are out of the business in the public eye.
1: Yeah, entirely. I sort of have this weird nebulous relationship with it. I mean, I still do voiceover. I still write. I'm still in the business. I'm more behind the scenes, though, which suits me fine, honestly. Like, if I never get a bigger fan base than the one I have now, I'm fine with that. I love my bisexual librarian fan base, <laughs> you know, and my, and my 10-year-old girls. Those are, those are, you know, these are my people, so.
0: Yeah, what, what you've said in Britain is that you left pursuing acting in the industry because you didn't think you were pretty enough. Yeah. Which is like hard to talk about. But, it is, yeah. But I wonder if the way the industry's changed in the last five-ish years with showing more different types of people on screen, if that changes, if I you do, want to pursue or not.
1: I do wonder about that. And, you know, it's it's funny because I I remember my, my college boyfriend was a film major um and he was uh, now he's a lawyer but uh but uh, he was a film major at the time and i always said to him i was like never take foot ph- pictures of me i'm really not photogenic And, and I'm ugly and I'm this and I'm that. And he would always tell me like, you're not, you're, you're beautiful. And I was like, but, but I don't, you know, maybe I should get a nose job. Maybe I should do this. And he was like, well, you can, if you want to, but is this what you really want? I love you the way that you are. It's a good answer. He was a really good, yeah, he was, he was a good, like a good first boyfriend. He really was. And, uh, and, uh, he said to me once, he said to me, he's like, you know, I don't know if you know this, but you have a real grace on camera and i was like you don't know what you're talking about i'm i'm weird on camera i'm i'm i can't do this but i think like a few a few months ago i was filming something with a friend just like just like something something that i had to i had to have recorded quickly and um and it was a friend that i have like a flirty relationship with you know but like we're just friends but you know there's always that yeah, you have the flirty platonic friend. That can happen. Yeah. and uh, Especially for queers. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, but I, I was with this, you know, friend and they were filming me and I, I was looking at the outtakes and I was laughing and I was smiling in a way and I was looking at that and I was like, oh, I can actually be charming on camera. <laughs> I do actually have a presence if it's with somebody that I'm comfortable with. I can be, you know, and this is someone that I'm comfortable with. And and I I was like, "Oh, I I get it now. I get what I, you know, there was I I did have that presence, you know. Maybe my college boyfriend wasn't just being nice." I'm not, you know, I'm not Jennifer Lawrence or Anna Kendrick or Anne Hathaway or, you know, all the like, you know, ingenue types. They're like, you know, there there's so many actresses out there that that I think can do, you know, Ellen Page and all of these people who I think are like so much better than I am, but there is a part of me that's like, you know, it might be fun. I don't know. Sometimes I think about it, sometimes I don't. But I do think that so much of it was, was me being like, I, I'm not pretty enough. And being told I was not pretty, not pretty enough. And I do think that I've had kind of, and I have had to look at myself objectively and been like, oh, I'm not that pretty. Also, interestingly, I realized recently, uh, I looked at all the girls that I went up against for auditions and we're all very very different types but I mean who got the parts that I didn't uh Kristen Stewart Evan Rachel Wood Aaliyah Shockett, uh all of these other all of these actresses and and uh you look at that and you realize that we are all very very different types but we all have one thing in common (laughs) and that's that we're queer oh yeah
0: Oh, that's funny. Yeah,
1: it's like, and, and it's funny because they would say like we want a tomboy type, but they wouldn't know what it meant. We and we would just be like, okay, sure.
0: And that young, you're still giving off that energy. Apparently, yeah. That a casting director like casting, saw. It.
1: They know casting directors know their shit. Yeah, they know something. And even though – because, like, Evan Rachel Wood has such, like, this, like, ethereal, you know, presence to her and Kristen Stewart has such the, like – The toughness. The toughness to her and Aaliyah Shackett is has that just great, adorable, like, comic sense of timing and I, you know, and I I had my own, like, my own, like, nerdy, like, you know, Martin Prince from The Simpsons kind of, like, obnoxiousness, you know, the, the – the, I don't know. I think I seem smarter than I am. Um, and I think that I gave off that vibe. And so we're all very different types, but we all went out for the same parts. And there were more actresses that I know, like, that I know, like, aren't as open about these things, but we – I went out on the same calls for them, too, and they're all queer, too. Wow. So, yeah. Kind of makes you wonder.
0: Huh. Do you, do you still – like, going back to the story with your college boyfriend, like, do you still feel like you're not pretty? Like, have you, like, gotten over that? That's I mean, a weird question.
1: I – I've I've gotten over what it is for myself. Like I can't accept the fact that I I am I am okay with the way that I look. I mean, there are days when I think I look terrible, and there's days when I mean, I like I didn't blow dry my hair this morning, and I wish I had, you know. But uh, but I think that I have like I have um, I, I feel like I, I have an, a detractiveness about me. I suppose I what I've realized is that it doesn't matter that I can attract, I I I I attract men and I attract a lot of women. <laughs> um I definitely like like yeah especially in in like queer female spaces I get yeah I get I get hit on a lot. It's pretty great. Um Do
0: you hit on people in those spaces?
1: I'm kind of shy about these things. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. But uh but it's also hard because sometimes people will lead with oh my God I loved Matilda and I'm like that doesn't wanna make me hook up with you. <laughs> yeah. And that can be hard. That can be hard, which is probably why I've I've, you know, last woman I dated was a few years older than me and and that's, you know, and was a scientist. And so, you know, that was uh I I, I do. I also I tend to go for like like scientific types. I look back on all the people I've dated and I'm like, let's see engineer, mathematician, astrophysicist, another engineer. <laughs> yeah.
0: Does that attraction to the science types is that across across like all gender boundaries too? Yeah, it does. That's really interesting. It does.
1: Yeah, and uh and uh yeah. And and like doctors too. I definitely have a thing for doctors. I love people who can look at like the big questions in life or or like life and death and be cool with it. That's something that is really attractive and interesting to me. Sure. Yeah, I, I, uh, my friend and I uh, were working on this podcast that we're trying to get started, um, and we interviewed um, a couple, and uh, one of them is a is a uh, concert pianist, and the other one is an ER doctor, and uh, we asked them, they're they're a gay couple, and we were like, does he like? Do you do you find his work scary or fascinating or something? And he was like, actually. I find his work kind of sexy because he gets to like face down danger, you know, every day. And it's like he gets to keep this cool head there. And I was like, yeah, I know what that means. That's totally hot. I mean, obviously, you don't want to know about like, which stitches are going where. But that idea of like somebody being like, you know, cool and collected in the face of all that is definitely interesting.
0: That's so funny you said that because I wrote down a quote from your book, which was that Every now and then I realize I exist and it's terrifying. Yeah.
1: Oh, God, no. I, I think about my death every single day. I what about, about it death. specifically? Um, I – you know, for a while it was like what legacy am I going to leave behind, which is ridiculous because, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, nobody's really going to leave much of a di- – nobody's really going to make much of a difference anyway. You just kind of have to work on – on on enjoying your life and making life good for other people, you know? I just saw the Mr. Rogers movie. You know, you just got to help people, be kind to people. But there's just this idea of, like, who is this persona that I have? And I had this even before I was an actor. I was a very existential kid. And I, I would think about who is this Mara person that I have to live with and who is this, you know, with her past and her life and her experiences and her baggage – and the way she looks and the way she feels and, and what is it to, to be her. And I think that there were times when I would realize, when I would just be like, oh my god, I exist and I have all this. And I wish that I could just kind of – I wish that I could take, take a step back and just like observe life and live life and not have to go through it as this person, you know, and this persona. But are you happened. saying
0: specifically, Mara Wilson, or are you saying you want to take a step back and observe like just in general both both oh. I think
1: that i I think that I you know um but I think I, I do think that some of it was like me feeling uncomfortable with myself when I was younger because now I'm more comfortable with myself, and I'm just like yeah i'm I am this person, and that is okay, <laughs> and I've learned to like talk myself through these things, you know
0: it seems like you are also working to make sure that. Your obituary doesn't just say Matilda and stop.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a thing, but like ultimately, you know, it it's I, I I've I the thing is that I've realized like like uh I I have done something that means so much to people. And I've always loved children, I've always loved kids. And if you affect somebody while they're young, you are with them their whole life. You help shape their outlook and they and so I, I feel like I got to I'm finally pleased that I got to have that. And I wrote about that in my book, sort of coming to grips with it because for a while it it was frustrating. I I was like, everybody likes Matilda more than they like me. Everybody knows Matilda. They don't know me. And I had this, you know, imposter syndrome of, of, you know, if they did know me they wouldn't like me. And, uh, and you know, and then sometimes it's true. Sometimes they do like me. Sometimes they don't. But uh, but that's why I
0: think it's so great that you are also open about your. You're not trying to like present this like perfect image. No, and I, I
1: couldn't. I'm a bad liar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a great one. I'll teach you, <laughs> please. Yeah,
0: but also like you're very open about like struggles with like mental health. Yeah. And OCD and depression, anxiety, which I feel like we have to say have been diagnosed. Those can be like buzzwords that we just can throw out sometimes. Yeah,
1: that's a, that's a whole thing that's frustrating. But yeah, that's, that's definitely a um, – I wouldn't say like obligation or duty because I want to do these things. But I feel like I have this responsibility that I've taken upon myself to be able to talk about these things. And sometimes I wonder like – because I'm not really that famous anymore. And I was thinking to myself, am I going to be known – for being am i going to be known more for promoting these things than i am for acting or writing and i thought to myself i was like well what if i was that's not a bad thing you know <laughs> it's not it's not a bad thing to be to be helping people to be reaching out and doing these things it's it's something that i have i have a i have a, i do have a platform i'm not the most famous person in the world and i would not want to be i could not do what you know you know, there's there's there only so many people in the world who can be Beyonce, you know? There are only so many people who have that energy, and I do not.
0: Are you recognized every day when you go outside?
1: Not every day. Oh, okay. It's It's a very particular subset of people that recognize oh. me. I get recognized in retail situations all the time. Uh, there's – I think it's like that age, yeah. of that age range of, of girls, you know, who are like 19, 20. I've been recognized in the hospital so many times. I got recognized before I had a colonoscopy. I've been recognized – it's not every day, but when it is, it's like the most awkward. and uh, and it's it's the weirdest times it. but but, you know, you just kind of have to be and and I do think that there were times where I would get frustrated when people recognized me when I wasn't feeling my best because I think it was that people pleaser thing of. Of, like, they're going to be so disappointed that I just got off a plane and I look exhausted and ugly and tired, you know? Now I'm like, well, for now, now I'm like, okay, well, first of all, who cares? But second of all, I realize, like, I can set boundaries for myself, but I've also learned, like, I can say no. I can be like, I'm sorry, I'm just not going to do that right now.
0: I've I've been really interested in how celebrity – well, people are obsessed with celebrity. Yeah. And I'm really interested in how that can also transfer. I interview a lot of celebrities yeah. for a living and the questions that I get and like the wide-eyed stare of what were they like? Yeah. Um it like the celebrity can like transfer in that obsession. Oh, and I'm God, fascinated yes. by that.
1: No, I definitely, I mean, I definitely have that. And I thought I was immune to that, but I am not. I, oh, really I definitely uh yeah, and I feel like I should be over it by now. And people like people like name-dropping people don't usually it doesn't usually get to me, but every now and then people will will say something or somebody and I'll just be like, oh my God. But – I mean, I think the thing is I know the truth. I'm not – like I'm usually not attracted to to actors and models because I grew up with them and I know they're not as – they're generally not as interesting as the people they play. I mean, I don't think I'm as interesting as Matilda and I don't think – and a lot of these people, you know, they, they don't have a, as big – or a bigger strong personality. So they get to disappear into these people, you know. and And the ones who do have like these big personalities sometimes are people that you don't want to be around necessarily. I also think that there there becomes this, like, layer of, like, knowing people too much that – that I don't know. I think these days people are very, very willing to put people up on a pedestal and knock them down very quickly. Like, they don't really care as much as long as they have strong feelings for someone.
0: Yeah, and if they make one mistake, we're done with them.
1: Exactly. And then you start hating them as much as you, you st- once loved them. It's this very, like, like, you know.
0: Yeah, I also don't think we need to, like, pre – amble everything with i know they're problematic but yeah everyone is actually (laughs) everyone
1: is problematic i mean it's obviously like if somebody if somebody did something abusive or hurtful that's you know yes but like somebody cheated on you know their boyfriend once like a lot of people have done that it's a very common thing it's it's sad but it happens you know
0: yeah is it difficult for you to see how we treat ex-child stars because quite a lot of them can spiral out
1: I think that I definitely had a, I had a, you know, the like, not like the other girls thing. I kind of felt like I had a, like a lot of girls, especially straight girls would do that. I'm not like the other girls. I'm cool. I I drink whiskey, you know, kind of thing. I feel like I had that a lot. I had a lot of sort of internalized misogyny growing up, but I feel like I also had that with like, well, I'm not like the other child stars. I can't be like them. They're, they're glamorous and cool and they party and I'm not going to do that. I definitely feel like I I kind of saw that happening, and I I tried to distance myself from it. And now I feel really gross <laughs> saying that because these people are are they're experiencing things in a different way, and they had they they you know they they wanted to do things differently than I did, and I'm I I can't judge them for the choices that they made, and I can't uh, and and a lot of them you know are are suffering and struggling too very publicly. It's, it's sad. It's, it's sad to me that people do that. I think one of the reasons I liked uh, BoJack Horseman so much, and I got to do a voice on it, which was one of my favorite things I've ever done, uh, especially considering I got to do a love scene with Jeffrey Wright. Holy shit. Uh, drama nerd Angels in America meant a lot to me as a teenager. and still does mean a lot to me. And uh, I remember when they told me uh, who was playing my boss slash lover, uh, I literally... Screamed Belize! Belize and jumped up and down in the booth. Um, yes. yeah, I was so excited. Uh, but uh, yeah, I love him as Belize. I thought their depiction of Sarah Lynn, who's a ch- former child star, who's struggling, you know, with with addiction. And everybody in her life has been – she's never had any real friends. She's never had anybody who really cares about her. And she says, you know, every single day I get – messages from uh, from men saying I was the first person they masturbated to every single day and I don't have any friends who really want to hang out with me I just have friends who want to like do coke with me and that's it and you can see that she's actually a very intelligent and interesting person she wants to study architecture she wants to do more with her life but she's never had anybody who really cared for her in this way and I was looking at that I was like Oh wow, this is actually a really sympathetic portrayal because it's it's showing you know what the what the struggles can be. I mean, I was lucky; I had family who love me, and it's probably why I don't always trust so easily. I I know that I don't trust easily. I'm not a very trusting person, and I'm pretty open with my life. But but and I am very extroverted. I have a lot of friends, but like my my inner circle is very very small, and a lot of them are either. Family members or friends I've known forever. So that's and that's that is something that you know, and that is my kind of residual issue from that is it's it's hard to trust uh, sometimes because you don't know who's just trying to take advantage of you and who just who just wants to objectify you.
0: Of course. Yeah. So your family is what you it sounds like a tribute to ending up quote unquote normal.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know that I ended up normal. <laughs> I'm I'm, you know, I but I but uh but I'm okay with with not being normal. Uh I, I do think that my family played a very big part in it. I do think that I had I had friends, I had I had a lot of good mentors along the way. I think uh my my education had a lot to do with it too. I went to Idlewild Wild Arts Academy, which I loved and I had I had teachers there who were like second parents to me, and I had good therapy. So I had that, and I had – so I had this solid basis, I think. Some people don't have that. Uh, I had people that I could go back to. I had people that I felt like knew me, that I didn't have to put on a show around. And I think I felt for a long time that I had to put on a show, especially since I did not feel – uh attractive growing up I did not feel you know as a teenager as in my 20s I did not feel like I was attractive and I felt like I had to overcompensate for that and put on a show and be be cutesy and I felt trapped by that sometimes because I would end up like attracting men that way and but I wouldn't actually be that interested in the men you know there was this sort of like am I doing this just because I have to kind of thing and that's And, you know, and that's where, like, me reading, like, A Doll's House and Angels in America as a teenager helped me through things. But uh,
0: I wonder how common or not that is. Just for me, too. Like, I grew up, like, not thinking I was, like, anything desirable. So I was like, well, I want to read a lot of books and be really smart Exactly.
1: No, I definitely did the, like, I'm going to be the smartest, which was – which did not work well for me because I – I didn't develop much of a, like, homework work ethic working on sets, so I, you know, would forget to do my homework all the time, and <laughs> it's, it's – so I didn't get very good grades. But, yeah, there was definitely – you get a chip on your shoulder, yeah. I think. And that's, I think, where the sort of I'm not like the other girls thing comes in, and you get – and that's where you get the, the Darias and the Joans from company who, you know, eventually have to face the fact that they have alienated themselves. And I've known a lot of girls in my life like that who were very smart and very – alienated and pushed everybody away before the world could get in. And uh, I, I saw that and I did not like that in myself. So I feel like I'm I'm glad now that I, that I you know, have kind of been able to move away from that.
0: I think that's great. Yeah. I have one last question then yeah. I have to let you go. You wrote that you're always looking for the narrative thread in yes, every story of definitely. your life and et cetera. Definitely. Where is that narrative thread heading for you now?
1: Um, I think that – I feel I feel like I've become more independent in the past few years i I know everybody loves to talk about how they're an introvert these days, but i'm not I'm an extrovert I need people I might not go out and talk to everybody. I might not party with everybody, but i I do get energy from talking to people and ta- and you know talking at my problems and thinking out loud and working with people and such uh but I do think that I've lately become more independent and i I like that, and I do think that there was I did have this independent streak. I was afraid to be independent, but I do think that i I can trust myself more, which is really nice. I think for a long time, I didn't trust myself, which is why I second guess myself about my sexual orientation. I second guess myself about you know d- you know am i am I attractive enough am i am I smart enough? am I this or am I that? and but I just kind of feel like i I am enough, and there there are ways that I want to improve myself and improve my life, but I had this – now I just kind of feel like I am I, – it's toward independence and I think also towards contentment and satisfaction because I think those things are more important than happiness. I think that happiness is, is elusive. So for me, satisfaction comes from doing work. So I want to be doing more work and from, you know, cultivating relationships with people. I think you don't have to be your own best friend, but you do have to kind of be your own coworker. You have to be able to work with yourself, and that's what I've been trying to cultivate the past few years is is this, you know, working relationship with myself. It's good to be like, you know what? I'm mostly okay, and that's what I'm trying to do. That's great. Thanks. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's been great. You asked so many great questions.
0: And that's our show. If you enjoyed the interview, please tell your friends. Share on social media. Help us to spread the word. Also, make sure you subscribe. You can do that on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you prefer. lgbtq a is broadcasting from The Advocate magazine studios in Los Angeles. The Advocate is the longest-running LGBT news magazine in the country. You can also check out their podcast, The Advocates, as well as Pride.com's podcast, Work. That's W-E-R-Q. You can also sign up for our newsletter at lgbtqpodcast.com. It is a great way to stay up to date on all of our new episodes, all of our live shows. It's super fun and not annoying, I promise. So that is at lgbtqpodcast.com. And that's it for today. Special thanks to our partners at Panoply, our old home, After Buzz TV, Jason McMurdy, and everyone for listening. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and I'll see you next week.